Alice. Go to oalaig.org for login information. Okay, um, I'm guessing someone is going to tell me, oh, I know Terrell is going to tell me when it's time to friggin' wrap it up. Okay. Good morning, everyone. I'm Seppi, compulsive overeater. Um, I have I came to OA in 19, November 1986. I got abstinent February 1st, 1987. I think that makes it 33 years of abstinence. And my abstinence uh, is the same as my food plan. I'm one of those people who is just extremely old-fashioned and, you know, Food plan and abstinence are one and the same to me. And um, mine was refraining from refined sugar, uh, which means I've had lots of sugar-free shit and I can tell stories. I hope to stay away from it at nine o'clock in the morning because usually they involve unattractive symptoms. Um, Okay, so we have a bunch of new... I usually, you know, I've, I've been abstinent much longer than I was had an eating history, but a lot of you seem to be from out of town. So I will spend about 10, five minutes on my eating history, just so that you know that I qualify. I was a skinny child. Uh, My parents could not get me to eat for the life of them. Um, I was extremely athletic and I was a ballerina. And I'll tell you how that ties into my abstinence today. Um, but regardless of that, I just always felt different and um, like the, somehow there was a trick to life that no one had advised me of. And there was no real reason for it. Um, I'm an only child. My parents, as far as I know, did not abuse me and loved me to pieces. Certainly my dad had the ism, so I've got the gene. And um, I don't, I, I will say, something that I, I took down some notes to say, I really don't examine things too much in the program. I'm not one of those people who, um, I'm jumping a little bit ahead. The part of the 12 steps that says action is the magic word probably works for me more than some people who, uh, is actually doesn't matter, really works for me. The action is the magic word is really works for me because I genuinely I'm not someone who's very into philosophical introspection. So um, I don't know why the hell I became a compulsive overeater. I just did. Uh, When I was 12, three things happened simultaneously. My parents got a divorce. They shipped me off to a boarding school and I hit puberty at the same time. And the combination of the three all of a sudden made me start doing behaviors that I'd never done before, like eat massive amounts of stuff that I didn't even like. And I found myself eating toast with butter and I hate butter. So all of a sudden I looked at myself to wonder why the hell am I eating toast with butter? Um, And from then on, I had a history of, you know, girl, all girls boarding school. I don't know if any girls here have than an all-girls boarding school. There's really three things to, to in, indulge in, boys' food or alcohol, and I chose the food. Um, Ten years of overeating, anorexia, overeating, anorexia. Short version, 
So I don't even remember college, I, which is a shame. I just remember the foods that I ate in different parts of University of Denver. And my whole experience of Denver is uh, where I, oof, okay, I love Denver, but it just goes with food. Um, I came, I was 12-stepped by a friend. I didn't know it was called 12-step. I came to a room when I was 24 or so, and I remember it was Serenity Sunday at that time. It was in a bank downstairs. I saw Jack. I saw Mario. I saw Carrie. And there were three people who talked, and they were perfectly normal looking to me. And each had shed more than 100 pounds. And it was just, wow. Um, during this eating deal, obviously, I had tried the diets. I had tried uh, shots. I had tried therapy. I had tried acupressure. I had tried fat farms. I tried all of it. Um, so it was kind of, it caught my attention that here are three people who were over a hundred, had uh, lost over a hundred pounds each and looked perfectly normal. But they started talking about God and I said, oh, good Lord, no, we're, we're, we're not, we're not doing this. I'm originally from Iran. Um, I was raised to believe religion is um, the crutch for uneducated masses. So poo-poo, poo-poo, poo-poo to God. Um, but exactly as they say, the seed was planted and you kind of know that eventually you're going to have to come back here, that there's nothing, sorry, um, that there's no shortcut. It, that, that is so incredibly true. You, I just kind of knew, good God, I'm going to have to come back here. Um, I got in a car accident, broke my pelvis, was in Cedar sinai for two weeks, lost a ton of weight, woke up, said, hey, did I lose weight? You know, after confirming I could actually walk. Um, and yep, I could walk. And then all of a sudden I started gaining weight while walking to the refrigerator with a walker with a broken pelvis. So breaking your pelvis hurts like a mother. It's every step that you take takes your breath away because it's so central to your movement. I sought food through that. That is the commitment I have to it's not a commitment that I have to overeating. That's what that this disease will take me. Um, every step was painful, and I took enough steps to the refrigerator while standing, because I sure as hell couldn't carry anything on a walker to start gaining weight. So I came to these to these rooms and um, went into newcomers meeting Jean and Doris, two gorgeous, lovely ladies one was a curmudgeon the other was pure love and um i am so lucky to have had exposure to these people i that is just totally a blessing um a, a woman came up to me and you know i always used to come in late leave early i didn't want to talk to anyone i didn't want to hold anyone's hand i didn't know what the fuck the lord's prayer was just you know leave me alone um Finally, uh, one day I was brave enough to stay till the end of the meeting, held hands, didn't move my lips. Some lady walked up to me and said, hey, um, I'm a new, you know, I see you're a newcomer. 
And uh, we talked a little about my food issue. And all my food problem is, is sweets. I have no issue with bread. I have no issue with steak, with pizza. It's just sweets. Um, and she said, do you think you could not eat sweets for one day? I said, oh, hell no. She said, do you think you could not eat sweets? Um, you could not eat refined sugar. And I said, what the hell does that mean? So she said, come here with me. And here in LA, we went to a health food store called Irwan. And there I magically found fruit juice, sweetened granola and fruit juice, sweetened peanut butter cookies and what have you. So I started with, yes, I could not have regular M&Ms or donuts, but I could start with this. And that's how my abstinence started. That's as much as I'm going to talk about that. So 33 years in OA. Um, what are some of the things that I want to talk about? Um, it's never boring. It, if you, it's never boring, not because I am constantly seeking new things. It's never boring because life constantly happens and you are forced to dig deeper if you don't want to eat. And as I said, I literally just want to stay skinny. That, that I have no intention of being a better human being. I have no intention of being a spiritual being. Um, a dear friend of mine sent something from uh, Just for Today OA book, and it talked about we're here to serve the soul, not the body. I kid you not, it have just been speaking Dutch to me for all the sense it made to me. This is a week ago. I'm like, really? Our, our job here is to be, to grow our soul. Um, I am that variety. I, I, I am just one dimension of action um, and it still works for me. So it's constantly changing because you're forced to dig deeper. Um, one of the, I've never been without a sponsor. The, the, the structure of my um, dancing has really, the discipline of my dancing has served me well because I have stuck to the discipline that has been the action part of the discipline in 12 and in, in our big book. The, um, I, I'm, as I, you know, the, I can, have always had a sponsor. I have always read the big book, even though half the, you know, probably the first 10 years, I didn't even understand what I was reading. Um, a book that has been ext extremely instrumental to my recovery. And I'm not sure if it's sponsored, it's, if it's board approved or not, if it's not somebody write a, you know, write me on your resentment list is Chuck C's new pair of glasses because he, um, in that book, I read some, I started reading that book in probably 10 years into my abstinence. And there was a phrase that really got me. And he said, I, you, I was raised thinking I had to outthink, outwork, outperform everyone to each out a miserable living for myself. Now, here's a man who couldn't, you know, a man who, I don't know, he was probably uh, 30 years older than me. 
with a completely different out- upbringing uh, in a different culture. Why the hell did I think I have to outwork, outperform, outmaneuver to each other is miserable living? But the point is, because I could never meet that, it was easier to eat. Um, I, this period, okay, let me talk about this period of confinement. I am loving it. Um, I'm not loving the economic impact, but I'm loving what it's done for our, for us. First of all, I firmly believe we, in 12 Steps, have a responsibility to help people outside of our 12 Steps. We are equipped with the tools that to meet calamity with serenity. We are the ones who have read, for God knows how many years, that people could, you know, in the AA's 12 and 12, and I think it's in step two, it said that the early AA sober people stayed sober um, on Salerno Beachhead. So if people are in trenches and bombs are coming at them and they can stay sober, it is our responsibility. Not only can we stay abstinent for Christ's sake, um, but it is our responsibility to help other people say, hey, this will pass. Hey, can you just get to the end of today? And I do that with all of my coworkers. Of course, all of my coworkers know I'm in OA um, and they understand that I'm different. They don't understand half the shit I say. They understand I'm different and they're good with it. So that's my personal feeling. Um, I don't know how much time I have. Let's talk about my relationship with God. Um, I had to believe it in my, you know, God as we understand it. And I had, I've had sponsors who have had very different ideas of God and very different ideas of abstinence and the goal and blah, blah, blah. As I said, I'm a very meat and potatoes person, no pun intended. Um, for me, God is this thing out there like a big, loving grandfather. It helps that I had a loving grandfather who I love to pieces and um, he takes care of me. Then... Seppi, five minutes. Okay, darling. Oh, you scared the shit out of me. Okay. Um, Sorry. Thanks, Ben. And then recently um, I went through a situation and, you know, I've always talked about... um, I've always heard people say I had a punishing God. And I always used to say, that really doesn't apply to me. I never had any kind of religious upbringing. But during this time, I'm, you know, I, I have a, something going on that I've discussed with, sponsor, with my sponsor and with Terrell. Um, I, I was just in a car accident and someone is suing me because the car insurance, that, you know, they're building a case. And I, in doing the steps and doing the steps and doing the steps, I realized I don't have, I, I didn't grow up with a punishing God, but I didn't grow up with any concept of God, but somehow environmentally, um, I seem to have grown up with an idea of a stern God. So turning my will and my life over to someone that I think wants me to learn a lesson for my own good, wants me to put me through this because it's character building, is a little difficult. So that's what I said about it never gets boring. Here I am 33 years um, into this and saying, where the fuck did I pick up that I have a stern God? Yeah, sorry, Carol. I know I can see you laugh. Who said I have a stern God? 
of all the messages that I picked up, I picked this up. Why the hell didn't I pick up that I have a loving God? So that's a new layer that I am discovering. I am at 33. I am miracles. I need tangibles. Terrell is my brother. I'm an only child. I always grew up wanting an older brother. And the year I made my parents sign a commitment to me that they were going to get pregnant, even though that was going to be a younger brother, they divorced. Um, I have a job that I sure as hell couldn't have gotten here myself or, yeah, I literally just show up every day and say, okay, what the hell am I supposed to do? It says restraint of Panton. I have something that um, surpasses my expectations. And um, I always bitch and moan to Terrell and to my sponsor about wanting more money. But when I look at what I have today in this economic world, um, I have to shut up and say, good God, am I lucky. I have a husband who um, I just didn't know men like this existed. My dad is a lovely man. He a, was a lovely man, but he was a philanderer. I just didn't even know faithful men existed. I got a good one. Didn't know this kind of kindness and really putting me first could be. And that is because someone in OA, 15 people in OA said, this is how you go on a date. This is what you do. This is what you say. Um, you know, I just saw Carl and uh, Randy before everyone else joined. Carl and Randy and Carol and, you know, probably 50 other people who I didn't see on video are people who I can, I've certainly, I've known longer than anyone in my work. Certainly people who um, I know I can say anything to and not be laughed at. Certainly people who, you know, when I want to know, hey, how can I retire someday? I look at Carl. Hey, how can I deal with just staying in this? I can deal, I can look at Terrell. Um, I've had, so I have a community that is solid, didn't know I need it. It's there. I have no idea how I could have done life without this. If I were, you know, part of what I said that I'm very one dimensional, my head is not one of those heads that has ever stopped going. 33 years of abstinence has absolutely not got me peace of mind. 33 years of abstinence has got me a, the, the toolkit to say, aha, we just woke up. We're alive. Okay, let's start. Boom, 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 boom. This has to get done. I have um, a job beyond my wildest expectation, a brother, a husband, a community. Um, I have hope. Good Lord. Um, I have a sponsor who just says, says one hand, one hand. Um, and we can, I can just get through June 20th. Seppi, you've talked enough. <laughs> this is just for you. Okay. This is, I don't think that's being recorded. Probably my lovely words are being recorded. But even if my middle finger is, it is what it is. Thank you, everyone, for letting me be of service. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. Carol will call on you, and then you can unmute and ask your questions.
All right. I'm unmuted. Yes, we have Michael Blanc. Oh, Michael. Okay. Hey, Seppi. Good to see you. Hi, honey. Your middle finger. Oh, I, you said something about my middle finger, then it muted. It's there. Oh, never mind. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. God didn't want me to say anything about that. <laughs> anyway, so you're married. You have a relationship. And uh, I'm married. And um, I don't know. Are you? Sometimes it feels like my wife and my kids tell me what to do a lot. So, and I know that I tell them what to do as well. Are you the tell me what to do recipient or are you the recipient of your husband's tell you what to do? And how do you deal with uh, the anxiety of not taking it personal and stay serene behind all that wonderful stuff I just said? Okay. I certainly, thank you very much. That's a good question. Um, I am the recipient my husband has, you know, become sober, you know, and you played a part in it, Michael Blanc, so I love you to pieces. And now he's recently started going to Al-Anon. Um, and, you know, we, we fought a lot when I walk in the door and, um, you know, he tells me what to do. And I absolutely am a teller as well. My job at my job professionally is to tell people what to do. And I had to learn when coming, driving from Century City to downtown that I need to take that time to stop being an executive and be a partner. Um, I don't have, yeah, I actually do have anxiety about him telling me what to do. Um, I have seen where his parents, I see where he comes from. I see he loves me to pieces, but he had a very uh, poor role model. Um, I know he loves me to pieces, uh, but this is how he reacts. Um, I've seen, I don't like the manifestation on me, and I certainly am anxious sometimes, Michael, but I bring myself back to, he loves me to pieces, and these are the 55,000 ways he's exhibited it. This is all he knows how to do. This is how he knows. And, um, and I also go back to Chuck C's book because he has a very dedicated section about what marriage is. He says marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is not 75-25. Marriage is 100% you give and 0%. Now, as I said, I'm not a doormat. I'm not going to levitate. I'll never fucking get to 100% and, you know, zero. But that's what it's supposed to be. So real simple cost-benefit analysis. I know he loves me to pieces. These are all the other ways he's exhibited it. He's a sick fuck like I'm a sick fuck. We're just getting along. That's it. That's what I do. Thank you for the question. Thanks, Seth. Okay. okay. Next up is Randy. Randy. Hello, Seppi. So, Hi, honey. So good to see you. I wanted to focus on something that you said because I totally identified with the need to outwit, outthink. Probably it's perfectionism in two paragraphs. How did you deal with that characteristic in yourself? and maybe get past the perfectionism? Well, I never thought of it as perfectionism. Um, 
I thought of it, you know, how it, how I feel about it, it, or rather how it manifests itself in me is constant fear. I, I never am serving, I'm not coming, I'm not aiming for this because um, I want to be perfect. I'm aiming for this because I'm afraid if I don't, I will lose my job, I will lose my cousins, I will lose blah, blah, blah. So the physical manifestation for me is constant anxiety. So how did I deal with it? Number one, years ago, maybe year five, I heard Zan say in a meeting, and you know, she was a ballerina too, so that really helped me, um, aim for average. That was mind-boggling. Good Lord, aiming for average and not an A-plus is an option. And second, I don't have to do anything to Brandy. It's, it's, the fear is so debilitating that when I break it down to steps with my sponsor, just for today, I can do this to address the fear. Inadvertently, I've gotten past the need to outthink, outperform, outmaneuver, uh, to each out a miserable living. That's the key part of that phrase because Chaksi said to each out a miserable living. So that's like what I have to do to just be there, to just survive, to just support my family. And it, it, I never even aimed, although I absolutely have the grandiosity, but this was all baseline. I got to do this to fucking survive. So um, just everyday life and breaking it down, what can I do this hot second to just get through this invariably gets me through the rest of that sentence. And then I look back on 33 years and I say, yeah, I guess you did more than eke out a miserable living just doing what the program told you. I mean, you'd have to have your head in the sand to not look at the historical data and say, and, you know, you certainly have as many years, you have more than I do, to say, look at all this shit that has happened that I didn't, uh, in a good way, shit in this case being a positive adjective, um, that I could not have imagined would work out this way. If I think this time it's going to be different, um, that's not statistically valid. So it's my thinking, not the real situation. I hope I answered that. Okay, five more minutes of this. Okay. Okay, next up is Julie. Julie T. Thanks, uh, Seppi. Um, what do you do when old defects that you thought were kind of handled come back, suddenly arise? And also, what did your sponsor mean by one hand? Okay. Um, I had a lovely sponsor called Maxine, who I, I think she's still in the Valley. And she, you know, I had her your, I don't know, 25 or whatever to 30 and she um up until then i was always frustrated oh good lord i have to deal with fucking pride again oh good lord i have to deal with fear again um she put my mind at ease with a sentence she said honey uh we may not get through all of our character defects in one lifetime <laughs> from from that point onwards i am not surprised i have a whole new relaxed attitude okay I may have to come back three times to deal with this. So it did take me 25 years to hear her. Um, 
but it really was instrumental to say it may never stop and I just get to keep working on it at a deeper level. Um, my sponsor, my current sponsor, Holly, always says, do the next action. I've got, you know, have God hold God's hand in one hand and hold Holly's hand in the other hand. So, you know, when I have to call the lawyer about the lawsuit, when I have to call the bank about my refinance, um, I, I imagine sometimes holding Holly's hand and, and holding um, God's hands, and I just kind of do it anyway. And so that's what she meant, mentally holding God's hand with one hand and her hand with the other. Next up is Mark S. Okay. Hi, Sethi. Thank you for your share. Sure. You mentioned that you uh, presented your parents with um, a request for uh, having a sibling, and, uh-huh. and then they divorced at the pretty much at the same time. Did you feel that you caused that or had a hand in that? And if so, uh, how did you deal with that? Oh, God, no. I never okay. felt bad about that. My, I told you, my dad was a philanderer. The mm-hmm. cause was never anything to do with me. Um, I would imagine I suffered all of the dysfunctions of a child of that environment, but I never felt... Um, yeah, I think the cause of my parents' divorce was abundantly clear. Um, I was disappointed. I was shocked. Um, and I absolutely know that I have um, things that I haven't dealt with. As I said, I'm not terribly deep. Um, that's not true. I am. I just kind of, I'm, I'm practical. You know, I'm Virgo. I just, I'm an earth sign. Um, but I didn't think it was me because certainly the cause was quite obvious. Okay, next up we have Janet. Okay. Steffi, thank you so much for... you. Could you please tell me when something comes up that life happens, that goes up to here, uh, what's the very first thing you do in your 12 step? Uh, The very first thing I do... Well, no, I was going to say call Holly and call Terrell, but... I had a situation, yeah, call Holly and call Terrell, uh, my brother and my sponsor. That's the very first thing I do. And they, um, you know, Holly tells me, hey, I got you. And Terrell makes me laugh um, and reminds me of all the other times in my abstinence that I've called them where, you know, this was it. This is the time that I was going to give up and what actually happened next. So before even going to God, I called these two. Um, Then I go to God. Then I say, okay, man, I got to do it the next five minutes. If you're there, we're going to do this together. Tell me the next fucking five minutes. I just had, you know, when the lockdown happened, March 17th, 18th, I had an amazingly rough five days. Uh, My boss, my brand new boss who had loved me, all of a sudden finds tremendous flaw in my work and was unhappy with me. Um, So I had to work 14 hour days from the, from May, uh, from March 17th through March 22nd. He now is back to loving me and understands exactly what we managed to do. My dad died and I didn't have time to even call my family members because I had to work for my boss. It was Persian New Year. I didn't get to celebrate it. So I was on huge self-pity. 
It was my 25th year anniversary at my firm. I didn't have time to celebrate it. I was on pity pot and, oh, and I couldn't exercise. I'm a huge exerciser. My, my big crutch has been taken away. I went through five. Time to wrap it up. Okay. I went through five days of 14 hour works by um, checking in every 15 minutes or one hour with Terrell and Holly and say, God, 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 like a, one of the homeless people outside, my lips were moving. That's how I do it. Thank you. Thank All you for right. letting me be of service. <laughs>